I'm Eileen Ray McCann for Circle of Blue, and here's What's Up With Water, a condensation of the world's water news. Officials in India's Tamil Nadu state have permanently closed a copper smelting plant after 13 people died in protests against its environmental damage. The Sterlite Copper Smelting Plant was India's second largest and run by the global metals and mining company Vedanta, based in London. Established 22 years ago in the coastal city of Tutukudi, it had been in stasis since March for maintenance and while it sought a renewal of its license. It produced metals such as copper, aluminum and zinc, along with chemicals including sulfuric acid and phosphoric acid. Residents and environmental advocates say its emissions polluted the air and water and sickened people. An inspection in 2011 found high levels of toxins in the groundwater nearby. In 2013, the plant had a sulfur dioxide gas leak. Sterlite had applied for an expansion of its facilities, but the Tamil Nadu Pollution Control Board refused. Critics of the plant said the company nevertheless continued construction and residents had protested for months, seeking a permanent shutdown of the facility. Last Tuesday, thousands of demonstrators in Tutukudi marched toward a government office on the 100th day of protests. Blockades led to confrontations with the police, and violence ensued. Alleging self-defense, police fired upon the protesters, killing ten people. Three more died in the days that followed. This Monday, Reuters news agency reported a new gathering, with a very different emotion. About a hundred people joined at the police barricades in front of the smelting plant's entrance to express relief and shout their thanks, as the district's main administrator oversaw the official and permanent closure of the plant. The head of Vedanta's India Copper Division said the company would take legal action to reopen the plant, and that it intends to build bridges with the community. England's Environment Agency warns that water overuse and leaking pipes are putting the nation's rivers and wildlife at risk and threatening water shortages in the future. A new report by the agency says that many water sources in England are already stressed. With increased population and changes in the climate, many places face significant water shortages by the 2050s, particularly in Britain's southeast. England's leaky pipes lose 3 billion litres of water a day, which is as much water as 20 million people use in an average day. Water is also lost through inefficient household use, with average per-person consumption at 140 litres a day. In all, one-third of the water taken from the environment is wasted due to leaks, treatment losses, and household use. The report says that industry, agriculture, and households are already demanding unsustainable levels of supply. Over a quarter of groundwater resources are over-allocated, as are nearly a fifth of surface water sources, such as rivers. Between 6 and 15 percent of rivers are in poor condition, including the majority of chalk streams, which are a unique and valuable habitat. Overdrawing the environment harms wildlife and damages wetlands that are also key to water management. Climate change is expected to alter river flows and temperature and humidity patterns. As these conditions affect wildlife, they could also support an increase in diseases spread by mosquitoes 
such as dengue fever and West Nile virus. Even under best-case scenarios, the Environment Agency sees water stress threatening the next generation. It is calling for a shift in attitudes toward water use, innovations from industry, investments in infrastructure, and new ways to use water wisely at home. In the mountainous Ladakh region of India's Kashmir state, rising temperatures are melting the Himalayan glaciers faster, with dangerous consequences for thousands of people below. Data from the India Meteorology Department shows that over the last 35 years, minimum temperatures in Ladakh have been rising by nearly 1 degree Celsius in the winter and half a degree Celsius in the summer. The data also shows that precipitation from November through March is decreasing. As the temperatures go up, the glaciers melt faster and the rivers they supply grow wider displacing scarce grazing lands and disrupting livelihoods. Snowfall has declined, and the timing of its fall has changed. Snowfall closer to summer weather is less likely to freeze, leading to increased risk for avalanches or flash flooding. Sudden rainfall and glacial melting also contribute to floods, which have become an annual threat to the villages along the rivers. In the past eight years, Hundreds have died and gone missing due to rapid overflows. In 2014, over half a million people were trapped when their homes were submerged under 18 feet of water for three weeks. Local administrators say their response to unpredictable weather is usually prompted by and limited to a specific calamity or distress. Examples are plans to contain rivers through dredging or banking, and the construction of freezing ponds to preserve water supplies for summer use. The state government recognizes the impacts of extreme climate-induced events, but in Ladakh there are still no long-term plans to adapt to what one official called an awakening to a new view of nature. In Nigeria, 90% of the groundwater in the Ogoni region is unfit for human consumption due to contamination by oil spills. Al Jazeera's Ahmed Idris reported last week from the village of Bodo, in the Ogoni lands of southern Nigeria. There, oil coats the waterways, and aquatic life has been dying out over the decades. In the Kokana area, there's almost no marine life left, and the daily catch, a small amount of shellfish, is infused with a crude oil that resists all efforts to wash it away. Residents have been sickened with the debilitating and painful effects of pollution poisoning, and many have died. But they can't go elsewhere because land is scarce and costly. Instead, they wait until the tide recedes, giving access to a freshwater spring that feeds the waterbed. They have an hour each day to gather all their water for drinking and cooking before the tide and the oil returns. They've been doing this for ten years. Activists have tried to shut down the oil operations for a long time, but have had no success in changing conditions they say are simply too drastic to be ignored. The pollution is moving inland from the waterways, damaging agriculture. In some areas, the benzene contamination in the water is 900 times over the allowable limit. The government has talked about remediation efforts underway and says that getting clean water to residents is a priority. But, says Idris, no one in communities like Bodo knows when the water will arrive.
And that's What's Up With Water. We'd like to share what's up where you are. Tweet us with your water news at circleofblue hashtag what's up with water.